I want to look at some theological questions now that have arisen as a result of this catastrophe in Haiti. It's amazing the emails and the phone calls I'm getting about this. And it's being triggered for the most part by some remarks by a well-known evangelist. Just in case you haven't seen it, we'll be looking at it in a moment. But here's some of the questions. If God is a loving God, how could he allow such a thing to happen? Have you ever thought that? This is a question that's been asked since Christianity began. Actually, before that. If God is a loving God, how could he allow such things to happen? In fact, some people go so far, how could he do such a thing? Secondly, was the earthquake a judgment upon the Haitian nation? Many people are thinking that, even though they might not ask it, and many are asking it. In fact, I listened to a talk show the other day while I was... I always listen to a talk show when I'm waiting for my wife. <laughs> and this lady called up and she said, Those are wicked people over there. Why should we support them? Today, evil. Now, right away, what is that saying about her? She's thinking that she's not evil, that she's not wicked. Anyway, we'll come to that in a moment. But here's a comment by a leading U.S. Christian personality that has caused a lot of discussion. You've probably seen it, but I want you to see it again. Something happened a long time ago in Haiti, and the talk about it. They were under the heel of the French. Uh, you know, Napoleon the Third and whatever. And they got together and swore a pact to the devil. They said, we will serve you if you'll get us free from the French. Mm. It's a true story. And so the devil said, okay, it's a deal. And uh, they kicked the French out. You know, the Haitians revolted and got themselves free. But ever since, they have been cursed by, by one thing after the other, desperately poor. That island of Hispanola is one island. Mm -hmm. It's cut down the middle. On the one side is Haiti. On the other side is the Dominican Republic. Yeah. Dominican Republic is, is prosperous, mm -hmm. healthy, full okay. of resorts, That's good. You don't need That's good. Let's stop it right there, please. It's just a brief thing there anyway. But since he made that, I mean, there have been all kinds of uh, responses to it on TV, on radio, and so on. And, of course, as I said, I started to get calls and emails about it myself. First of all, just two things in responding to this. Because, really, if we were to respond to everything Pat Robertson says, we would really have a time. First of all, the pact with the devil he says, is truth. That's not true. At least it has not been an established historical fact. It is more as a legend or a myth. And I've done some research on it, and it seems to stem from there was a dedication type of a service, which sometimes we would encourage you to read now about the beginning of the Haitian nation, it is really a fantastic thing that happened. Uh, but anyway, and there was a prayer time, but the prayer was 
was directed toward the same God that we pray. There was a group of Haitians there, nations, who did practice voodoo or whatever, but they were not the ones who were making the, the prayer or doing the dedication. All right? They had a little uh, sack thing where they would, uh, they still do it today with the blood uh, of an animal and they pass it around and so on. But that was not a part, according to the credible records that we have, of this dedication service. But the legend has continued mostly by missionaries, it is said about this pact with the devil. Secondly, so it's not something that we can say is historically fact. That's what I'm saying. So Pat should not have said that. Secondly, he said the devil agreed with him. I wonder how he knew that. Now, you know, we have some individuals who say they have personal interviews with God. They sit down, have breakfast with the Holy Spirit and all that kind of stuff. But I wonder how he knew that. He didn't know that. For him to say that the devil said yes is just irresponsible and is not worthy of a person who claims to be speaking for Jesus Christ. Now, the ironic thing about this, he made these remarks while he was asking help for the Haitian people. It's amazing to me. Now, some members of the government in 2003, three, three, wanted to reaffirm that or make the legend true. Did you all remember reading about this? How did you all miss this? It's a big news. Aristide agreed with it. He was a Roman Catholic priest who became president. And they had a time for this event where they would reaffirm this pact with the devil. But something happened that prevented it. And the reason why, I believe, because God's people around the world was praying that it wouldn't happen. And I was one of them. And none of you all pray for them. It's amazing. That was in the newspapers. That was on TV who won the Oscars last week? Not last week, last time. I bet you everybody will probably tell me who won this, who won this. But this, this significant event happened when a nation wanted to dedicate itself to the devil. But it didn't happen. And so they said, I forgot what stopped it, but they were surprised. They said, we'll do it in 2004. It didn't happen. Because God's people continue to pray. So that was an irresponsible statement on the part of Pat Robinson from my perspective. But even, as I said, if they did make the pact, the pack, Pat wouldn't know about it he, unless he was meeting with the devil somewhere to find out. But let's think for a moment, logically or rationally, not even biblically right now, of the implications that the earthquake was a judgment from God on Haiti because they're bad people. Because if you want to be truthful, some of you are probably thinking that. But let's look at it, not even biblically yet, we will, just from a philosophical, logical, rational point of view. If we say 
that God was judging Haiti because they're wicked people. We are implying that the reason why God didn't let the tsunami come this way is because we are better than they are. Isn't that right? That's the implication of it. Because if we were by, we, a day while that tsunami would have come and wiped us off the face of the earth. But by the way, some people are predicting that will happen in 50, 75 years. There will be no Bahamas. Because the tides, if the tides don't get high, this is climate warming, whatever you call it, then we're going to have a tsunami someplace. And somebody was told me the tsunami will never, never come to the Bahamas. <laughs> we had a warning. You know what warnings are? That something more or something worse is coming up. Isn't that right? Something more terrible is going to happen. You go to a doctor because you felt a little pain. Well, before you go to the doctor, you felt a little pain, so you don't do nothing. You go to work, and the pain gets a little more intense. You still ain't do nothing. All of a sudden, your hand feels numb. What is happening? You had one signal about something, you don't do nothing about it. You had another warning, you still ain't do nothing about it. Right? And then, all of a sudden, your arm can't move, you say, I better do something. But sometimes, it's too late. And sometimes, to cure it, then you say, well, you know, just wait, it'll be all right. Mm -mm, I gotta cut the arm off to save your life because something is traveling up your arm and every I'm trying to be real simple here and the only way I can cause it from going to I gotta cut it off oh man you can cause devastation to my body he said well you want to save your arm or you want to die now when that doctor cuts off the arm do you think his family or he's going to say, boy, that's a bad doctor, eh? Look at what he do to my arm. He cut my arm off. You know, they won't respond that way. Thank God we had a doctor who could cut his arm off. Because it saved his life. Keep that in mind as we reflect on what happened in Haiti. But we could also say, that because this earthquake was caused because of the people, the Haiti was so terrible, then if that is true, we are not morally or spiritually obligated to show the Haitian people compassion. Why? Because we'd be fighting against God. God trying to judge them, and we trying to take the judgment off. You understand what I'm saying? And there's some people who said that. Mm -mm, I'm not going to give. Because if I do that, I could be fighting against God because God is judging them. I'm just, these are just rational now. They're not even biblical yet. Thirdly, we could actually be implying that no one deserves to be judged. Suppose God is judging them. Suppose He is. And by the way, we can't say one way or the other, as we'll see in a moment. If we say that this is wrong, this shouldn't have happened. 
and God is judging them, are we saying that no one should be judged for anything? Are we saying that God should just allow everybody to go on doing anything they want without intervention? If you see, if we say that there is no reason for God to judge when people deserve to be judged, then really we're saying there's no need for God. Now listen carefully. From our perspective, the atheists would disagree with this. Well, some of them, they don't, some don't have an answer for it. If we are saying that some people deserve something, we are saying that it's a standard that has not been observed. Isn't that right? Follow? Isn't that right? The only reason you should be judged is if you're not meeting a standard. Right or wrong? That means you've got to be somebody who can set the standard. If you say nobody should be judged, then you're saying you don't have a need for God. Morality goes out of the window. You understand, are you understanding what I'm saying? I want you to reflect on these things because sometimes we like this more holier than thou attitude and we stretch it to go to places we don't go too far. Now it could also tell us that all pain and suffering is wrong and have no good purpose. Think about it. That's a terrible thing. Why so much pain? Implication, I shouldn't have any pain. Right or wrong? Well, go back to that illustration. Suppose you had no pain to tell you about a warning about something more dangerous coming about. You're driving down the road. You see a sign, road work ahead. So you still start doing your texting. You don't look at the sign. In fact, now you start to talk on the telephone. 50 feet. Man working. You don't I got to finish this texting. Bam, you killed 10 people. Why? Because you didn't take the warning. You understand what I'm saying? Same thing with that pain in your body. Pain serves a good purpose in this fallen world. In this fallen world, pain serves a good purpose. Amen. We are living in a fallen world already under the judgment of God. God has given us many warnings. He continues to give us many warnings before the thing that is warned about comes upon us. And then when it comes upon us, we say, why? The question isn't that God is a bad God. It's because you didn't listen to his warning. Let's go to the scriptures then, for a minute from a biblical perspective to see about the world we live in and to see how this event in Haiti could be one of God's messages to us. Here's a biblical fact. We are all sinners. and We're not only deserving of God's judgment, but we are actually living under that judgment right now. We forget that. We are living already under the judgment of God. There is something, concept that theologians call God's pervasive, passive judgment. It means that it's, it's a judgment that passes and doesn't do anything else because it's having its course. 
You set something in motion, and it continues. Romans 1, verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed. Now that is, is in the present tense. In fact, it is what the Greek people call a continuing present tense. It started in the past, it is happening now, and it continues to happen. So it could be translated this way. For the wrath of God is being revealed. God's wrath is now being revealed or manifested from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. Why? By the way, when you say against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress it, don't think that that's some pagans over there. Or that's those people living in the jungle somewhere. That's us. We hold down the truth and unrighteousness and ungodly living. This is the reason why God's wrath is being real. Because that which is known about God is evident within them. For God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. Everyone, even those who have not heard the gospel yet. We'll come to that in another message. They are without excuse, for even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks. But they became futile in their speculations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools, and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man, and of birds, and four-footed animals, and crawling creatures. And we could continue on. We could say TV idols. We could say football stars. We could say TV. We could say my wife, my husband. We could say my children. Anything we put before God is an idol. Now here's the result of that kind of a lifestyle. Therefore, God gave them over in the lusts of their hearts to impurity so that their bodies would be dishonored among them. I want you to see that is God's present judgment upon these people and all like them who reject him. God gave them over to do what they want to do. That's God's judgment. You don't have to wait to be judged. Your judgment is doing what you want to do and rejecting the will of God. In your life. That's God's judgment. God's present judgment is leaving sinners to do what they want to do, having rejected them out of their life. Go right down to verse 26. For this reason, God gave them over. Notice that? That's his judgment. God's judgment against the person who rejects him out of their life is to let them do what they want to do. The consequences follow naturally. It's going on right now. Down to verse 28. 
And just as they did not see fit in acknowledging God any longer, God gave them over to a depraved mind to do those things which are not proper. Why do you think you see all of that terrible, pornographic, violent stuff on TV and in the cinema? And it gets worse and worse. Why? Because God has given those people over to do what they want because they've rejected him out of their life. Talking about this, do you remember some years ago when they had that terrible earthquake in Los Angeles? You remember you seen the terrible pictures with all of the highways collapsing and everything else? Do you know the, what area it was that was more heavily damaged than any other area? Is the area where they made pornographic films. Now, did you all remember reading about that? In fact, even the pornographers was saying, boy, God must have done that. Because only their area, not only, but more perversely, their area was wiped out. Paul is revealing here that the wrath of God is not something still to come. It will come, but it's already begun. And when you go to this whole passage, he's saying that you are storing up wrath until the day of wrath. What does that mean? It means that every time we reject God out of our life, we go to the bank of wrath and make a deposit. And when the end comes, the final time comes, you can get your returns. We're making a deposit in the bank of wrath. But here's the point. God's wrath is something that is present and active right now in our lifetime. God's wrath is being revealed from heaven right now. It's revealed from heaven. This means that it has its origin in God. This is the wrath that has its source in the triune God of the universe. He's the one who both activates it and keeps it in force. Some people say today, all of these man-made disasters, or you have man-made disasters, that's terrorism. You didn't catch that one, did you? Then they have acts of God, the hurricanes. The earthquakes, they call acts of God. Isn't that right? They say, the only God who could do that. Other people say, no, 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 man, that's just nature. Both are right. People say earthquakes happen because the plates of the earth moves. If it moves like this, you get plenty of trouble. You get all kinds of tsunamis. That's the reason why they say we don't have any tsunami over here today. It's because the earthquake that happened in Port-au-Prince, the, the plates moved up. But now say there's a sliding wave. It goes like this. Now when that goes, it doesn't make enough the waves. All right? But do you know when the problems with the plates began? Do you know? It happened in the flood when God judged the earth. The depths, the oceans of the earth were shaken. And the plates were moved then. And what we are having today is just a continuation of that. God's judgment, if you want to call it that then, if it is that, was not done last week. 
It started in Genesis 6. You understand what I'm saying? Here's the point. God's judgment is continuing to be manifested in all of these things that are going around to us. So we can't look at one event and say that's God's judgment. Now, it might well be. Because God does use these things to judge. But he, we don't have a revelation. God says, not thing over there. I did that to judge you. He didn't do that. He had it in the Bible. But he doesn't do that today. It could well be, but then again, it might not be. God's wrath, God's judgment is inescapable. Everyone, without exception, is confronted with and suffers from the wrath of God at all times. Sickness is an evidence of the wrath of God. Everything that is out of whack in our life is because of the wrath of God. The reason why you have problems with your wife, the reason why you have problems with your husband, your children, all of it is because of the wrath of God. It's been manifested, but it manifested in different ways, different scales. God's wrath is automatic today. God's holy response to the sin of man. It goes on continually. It is an evident everywhere to those who would see through the lens of Scripture. Here's what Moses said, for instance, in Psalm 90. For all our days pass away under your wrath. That's Moses. How many times have you read that? But have missed the thrust of it. All our days pass away under your wrath. Our years come to an end like a sigh. What years? The years of wrath. The years of our life are three score and ten. Or even by reason of strength. Boy, I must be strong because I just passed that 70 mark there. The years of our life are three score and ten. Or even by reason of strength, four score. Yet, their span is but toil and trouble. You see that? That's talking about the life you live in right now in your home. I don't care how nice you think your home is. It would have been better if there was no sin. And the reason why it isn't better is because you're experiencing the wrath of God upon sin. No one escapes God's wrath. It is universally revealed. And we have to face this whether we like it or not if we believe the word. That's why Paul says in Romans 1, we need the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the power of God and the salvation to everyone who believes. But listen to another passage of scripture. Ephesians 2. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world. He's talking to the people who come to faith in Christ now, telling them what they were. According to the prince and the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Notice that, now working, right now, in the sons of disobedience, children who don't disobey God. Verse 3, among them we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature, what? Children of wrath. Children of wrath. 
In other words, the word there means inheritors. We were born inheritors of the wrath of God. We all deserve then to die. Jesus makes this clear himself. Listen to what he says in Luke 13. On the same occasion, there were some present who reported to him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. Pilate had killed them, slaughtered these men. And Jesus said to them, Do you suppose that these Galileans were greater sinners than all other Galileans because they died the way they died? See, that's what people are saying over there. They must be greater sinners than us good Bahamians. By the way, let me give you a historical fact. In 1950-something, five, I was a strong, handsome young fellow. Very brash in my Christian life. A hurricane was coming straight for Nassau. Some of you older people remembered it. Coming straight for Nassau. And just as it was about to hit, it turned and went to Cuba. And Cuba was devastated. Now this is in the 50s. That's right after who? Castro came on, the communists. Adrian DePuch came out with a, I don't know if he was so then, came out with an editorial. And this is what he said in summary. The reason why God spared the Bahamas and hit Cuba is because the Bahamas is a God-fearing nation and Cuba is a communist nation. The first time I ever wrote a letter to the newspaper was then. And they printed it. And I talked about God's sovereignty and all of us as sinners and all of that. But this idea that these people living in these areas because a catastrophe has happened is more of a sinner than we are. Foolishness! That doesn't mean that that couldn't be judgment mind. Don't get me wrong. But we cannot say that it was. Jesus said to them, Do you suppose that these Galileans were greater sinners than all the other Galileans? Because they suffered, notice, because they suffered this face, because they died this kind of way, do you think that you were better than they are? Jesus says, I tell you, no. That's Jesus' word now. And unless you repent, you will likewise perish. Now notice, likewise perish. You will die the same way they died. Verse 4, or do you suppose that those 18 on whom the tower in Siloam fell and killed them were worse culprits than all the men who live in Jerusalem? Jesus says, I tell you no, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Now, let me bring that home. Because you know, we would read this and say, boy, that talk about them Galileans over there. Let me paraphrase it for you. <laughs> do you suppose... That these Haitians were greater sinners than all Bahamians because they suffered this fate? I tell you no. Because unless you Bahamians repent, you will all likewise perish. Or do you suppose that those 140,000 or 200,000 who were buried in mass graves in Haiti were worse sinners than all those who live in the Bahamas? I tell you no. And unless you Bahamians repent, you will likewise perish. I say again, the Bible tells us that we are all sinners alike and we all deserve to die 
sometime. Now, please put this in perspective, and this is why I'm thankful for this opportunity to talk about this. We've got to see the world in a little wider perspective. We all have to die sometime. Death is a reality from a biblical perspective because of sin. Death is not a strange, abnormal, or unnatural, or even unnecessary thing. Death is a part of living in a fallen world, already under the judgment of God. He told Adam, when you eat that, you're going to die. That continues to happen today. It started back then. It continues today. But we don't all die at the same time or in the same way. But we all die. To die in an earthquake or a hurricane is no different from dying from cancer or a heart attack. Can there be anything more terrible than to have cancer eating away at your body and you seeing that loved one being eaten away right in your sight? To die in an earthquake or hurricane then is no different from dying from cancer or a heart attack or being killed in a car or in a boating accident. They are all means of the penalty of sin being worked out on an ongoing daily basis. It's only because of God's grace that we have not all been killed already. Amen. That's why he sends us warnings so that we could change our ways. And repent. So we must ask the question then. Why are we still alive? You see you shouldn't be asking. Why they got killed. You should be asking. Why didn't I get killed? Why didn't I die? Is God saying to us. Today. Could be the day. For your salvation. Is that what he's saying. To us through that warning sign over there? If you consider it carefully, if we refuse to turn to God now, having experienced what is happening in Haiti now, should we not ask the question whether or not we are in fact worse than they are? Jesus makes it clear that what we call natural disasters that occur to others do not indicate that they are worse sinners than we are, but rather that we are sinners just as they are, but now we have a chance to repent. Otherwise, we could experience the same faith. And so for us, this misfortune could be the means of a hope for us. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all come to repentance. And he's doing all kinds of things to call us to repentance giving us all kinds of little signs. What sign has he already given you, but you haven't listened? He's given you another one. And every time another sign is given, it becomes more severe. It becomes more urgent. There's a time coming when repentance will no longer be possible. This Haitian tragedy could well be a road sign in our highway of life saying to us, Danger ahead! Turn around now! That's a word for repent. 
To escape, we must heed the sign. Not to do so is to choose the way of death. Hebrews says, God has fixed a certain day for judgment. And so he says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Do not harden your hearts. Because he who hardens his neck is suddenly cut off. In other words, the warnings has been given, boom, 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 and you don't know anything else until it happens. Now, later on, sometime, we'll talk about the fact that God uses these things that some people call tragedies as a way of saving his people. The exodus. Sodom and Gomorrah. But he took his people out first. Isn't that right? And he judged them, but he took his people out first. And you'll find that consistent through the Bible. When God judges sin, he takes his people out. When he gives signs, when he gives warnings, he includes saint and sinner alike. Now when you go and you read about Israel, that's a, you have to understand Israel was God's people by covenant. They had an agreement. But even in that situation when the nation of Israel disobeyed, the sinners sometimes suffered when God brought judgment to the land and gave drought and so on. I close with this, son. There's another thing that is called God's active warning. Let me read a passage for you as we close. God's active warning. This is when he deliberately uses what we call a tragedy to speak to us. 1 Corinthians 11. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But a man must examine himself, and in so doing he is to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks, eats and drinks judgment to himself. Notice that. Eats and drinks judgment to himself. If he does not judge the body rightly. Notice this now. If you refuse to judge the body rightly, and you partake of the Lord's Supper. For this reason, many are among you are weak and sick. And a number sleep. But if we judged ourselves rightly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are disciplined by the Lord so that we will not be condemned along with the world. God does make a difference. But I want you to notice the gradation, the progress of God's judgment. Weak. One and number one. You don't get right. Sick. You don't listen. Sleep. Death. Who did it? Who do you think did it? God. God did it. Because you didn't listen to him. I gave a first sign and you became weak. I don't feel too good today. I'm going out to the Lord's Supper. I'm going to make it right with this sister, this brother. I'm going to get this right with my husband, my wife, my children. I'm going to get this right. So your spiritual life starts to falter. All kinds of difficulties start to happen with relationship. But you don't get it right. So you get sick. Your husband leave. Your wife leave. Your children leave. You get fired. Whatever it is, you're getting sick. You still don't get it right. So God says, well, you're disgracing my name on earth. 
So I'm going to take you home. And he kills you. That's a loving God? Yes, that's a physician. Who looks at the whole body. And he says, now this little finger here is causing trouble. And it's not taking notice. Not taking... I've given all kinds of signs. But all they do is put a little bandage on. They spray it a little bit. They don't go and get that thing out of there. And if I don't move, that is going to contaminate the whole body. God is the great physician and he deals with removing sin from his body. The same way a physician will remove a cancerous cell from your body. You have to see it that way. Because God is a holy God. And so, let me conclude. Does God use natural disasters as means of demonstrating his judgment? Yes, he does. However, the issue is not whether or not he does so. The question is, when does he do so? What specific disaster can we say is God's judgment? He tells us in the Bible, but he does not do so today. He knows, but we don't. And that was Pat Robertson's mistake, as far as I'm concerned. God uses natural disasters as a wake-up call to bring us to repentance. God is a good and loving God to do this for sinners who deserve no warning signs whatsoever. But he does it so that we could turn to him now in the day of salvation. What's God saying to you? Bow with me in a word of prayer, please. If God has spoken to you, whatever commitment is necessary for you to make between him and yourself, please do that now. But please, if even this message was a warning to you, heed the warning. Turn away from whatever that sin or that deed, experience, whatever it is in your life that you know God has been dealing with in your life. Deal with it now before it's too late. If you have not yet placed faith in Christ, this is an opportunity for you to do that. Father, thank you for the truth that your word will not return to you void, but will accomplish the purpose for which you send it forth. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen.